0: teens and children for Sunday school this morning. And then we're going to be looking at lesson number 10 in our adult Sunday school. If you don't have one of those uh, lessons, if you put your hand up, Brother Colton can get one to you if you're missing. Uh, But lesson number 10 and the journey to the Valley of Ella as we're talking about David. I see a man with gout wandering in. You okay, Brother Jerise? If Jerise was a horse, we'd have to shoot him today, but uh, we're going to let him make it one more day. Anyone else need a lesson this morning? Turn to 1 Samuel 16 with me. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And we'll look at just verses 12 through 13 this morning as we begin. We're uh, about two thirds of the way through a lesson this morning, hoping to uh, finish up this lesson, lesson 10, this morning. So, I'm going to be covering some ground we've already covered. And uh, so, if you missed some notes, we'll make sure you can get those to you this morning. Uh, but look here with me at verses 12 and 13 of 1 Samuel 16. Now, we sent and brought him in, speaking of David. Now, he was ruddy. And with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look at, look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Verse 13, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. And let's pray together. Lord, we are excited this morning to look at the faith and the faith life of David. Lord, because we see in this contrast this morning, not a giant of a man, but rather a shepherd boy who had a giant of a God. And Lord, as he would go down, as we're going to see this morning, to face Goliath, it was not his strength, it was not his charisma, It was not his integrity, it was not his goodness or his righteousness that was on display. But Lord, rather it was your power. And Lord, I thank you that your power is just the same as it was the day that David would take his walk down into that valley of Ella. And Lord, I pray that we would trust you and your power that is the same today. Lord, may we realize that you look on the heart. Lord, would you make us a people? A people after your own heart. Lord, help us to get away from the superficial. Help us to veer away from the temporal. And God, would you anchor our minds and our hearts on the eternal. Lord, we love you. We thank you for allowing us to gather here today. I thank you for those that are able to be with us, for those that are traveling yet to be here. God, would you do your work and your will in our hearts. In your precious name we pray. Amen. As I mentioned as we began our lesson here on David in this journey to the Valley of Ella, we do not get a glimpse yet of King David. We do not get a glimpse yet of the mighty man who would lead the nation of Israel, a great warrior King David. Rather, we meet David here. As he comes in to be anointed by Samuel as a young man. Not as a leader of men, but just a leader of sheep. Not as a powerful man with people, but rather a submissive, obedient son. And as we begin to look at some things about David, we... See point number one I gave you a couple weeks ago I want you to make sure you get this we see David's calling and we've talked about this a couple weeks now but in verses 7 through 13 God tells the prophet Samuel God tells Samuel don't look on his size don't look on his countenance rather God said that's not what I'm looking at that's not my focus That's not what I'm focused on. I'm looking on the heart. So as we think about David's calling, uh, letter A in your notes, we talked about the purpose of David's calling. Now, God sent Samuel to the house of Jesse, for he had chosen already. It was not Samuel saying, okay, I want to choose you. God had already chosen, and God sent Samuel to anoint the one that God himself had already chosen. Uh, chosen, It says in chapter 16 and verse 1, And the Lord said to Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel, fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Now, as I mentioned, there are two reasons that there was a new king needed. One was that God had rejected Saul from being king. Uh, Saul had become big in his own sight, and God had rejected him. God had the prophet point his finger in his face and tell him that a rebellion was as of the sin of witchcraft, and King Saul was in power. He wore the crown. He was in the position, but God had rejected him. Now, the people had not rejected him. The nation had not turned against him. His political pundits had not begun to work against him. Rather, they were for him, but God was not. Can I remind you, it does not matter who is for you or who uh, follows you uh, or who uh, sings your praises, Uh, It is God that matters, and God had rejected Saul. But not only had God rejected Saul, it was not just God removing Saul. It was not God uh, being angry with Saul. It was more than that. On the other side of that, it was God wanting a king, a new king, whose heart was after him. And David was to be that king. David was to be that man that would have his heart seeking after and following after a holy God. Uh, so we, we see that. We see the heart of David, as I mentioned. I'll share this with you again. Uh, 1 Samuel 13, 14 says, "...but now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people." because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. So we see here God rejecting Saul and telling Saul, God has already picked a man after his own heart. God's going to make him the captain. And then we see uh, in the 23rd Psalm, as I mentioned last week, we see the heart of David. We see the heart of David revealed. We see he had a believing heart. The Lord is my shepherd. We see he had a teachable heart. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. David had a holy heart. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. A confident heart is seen. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. A thankful heart. My cup runneth over. And we see that David had a fixed heart. By the way, a heart after God, a fixed heart, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So we see the purpose for David's calling. God had a purpose for David. Now, don't let that focus of God's purpose for David make us believe that we see just a purpose for David. Understand, just as God had that focus and purpose for David, God has a focus for your life and mine. But we see beyond the purpose, we see the procedure. I'm sorry, uh, the process of David's calling. Uh, It was unusual. Uh, It was not the people as they did in Saul's day, looking around going, oh, that's the one we want. (laughs) Uh, He's the biggest, he's the tallest. Uh, We're gonna make him the king. That wasn't the purpose, that wasn't the process. The process was not find the, uh, the most likely king. The purpose was not, uh, the process was not find the strongest or the tallest or the smartest or the best leader uh, or the most athletic. That was not the process. That's the process the world wanted. That's the process the nation of Israel went through when they chose themselves, not God choosing, when they chose themselves, King Saul. But the process of David's calling was different. Samuel went through the seven sons of Jesse. And God said, no, 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 no. And the prophet said, there has to be more. Because God told me to come here. And God told me that one of your sons would be the king. And Jesse said, well, there's one. But I'm sure he thought, but I know he's not the one. You see, the purpose in God's process here of calling was not from the outward. It was from the inward. And we see here that whenever he came, God said, that's the one. It wasn't Samuel who went, wow, where have you been? You've been holding out on me. This is the one that I would pick as king. I have a feeling Samuel went, I sure hope there's one more after this. I hope this isn't the only one. But it was God. It was God that saw the heart. The Bible says in Acts thirteen twenty two, And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David. By the way, this is God, not the prophet. He raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. The Bible tells us there in the text that we read this morning that Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Can I tell you, we have that picture in the anointing of King David. We have that picture of God's Holy Spirit upon David, not yet the king in the eyes of the nation of Israel, still a shepherd, still the son of his father, and yet the Holy Spirit came upon David. We see that picture there. God gave his spirit to him. Although Samuel anointed in verse 13 of chapter 16, David to be king, it would be several years. It would be several years before David would settle on the throne. It'd be several years before his coronation. It would be several years before the nation of Israel would call him King David. And yet God's spirit was upon him. Number two in your notes, if you will, we looked at this last week. Number two, we see David's cause. David's cause. David's cause is revealed in First Samuel 17. And I'll have you look at the first eight verses there with me. God had given David a cause to honor and glorify him. And in that cause, he did. The Bible says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shoko, which belonged to Judah and pitched between Shoko and Azekah, and Ephizdamim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Ella and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had an helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass uh, between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spearhead weighed six hundred shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel, and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array, Am not I a Philistine? And ye servants to Saul, choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. In verse 16, down just a few verses, it tells us, And the Philistine drew near morning and evening, and presented himself forty days. I want you to get the picture here. We have two armies camped. Two armies camped on opposite sides of a great valley, the Valley of Elah. On one side, the army of the Philistines. On the other side, the army of the nation of Israel. They were there for almost a month and a half. And here's how the battle went for 40 days. The Bible says that every morning, the giant... Goliath of Gath would walk down in the bottom of the valley and look up and mock the armies of God and mock the nation of Israel and, and profane the name of their God and say, Send a man down here to me to fight. And nobody did anything about it. King Saul, the man head and shoulders above all the nation of Israel. If you'll let me use this analogy, King Saul was the giant. He was the giant of the nation of Israel. The giant of Israel did not go down to meet the giant of the Philistines. Goliath would march back up the hill. In the evening, he would go down again and say, Send a man to fight with me for 40 days, every morning, every evening. And when he would call out the nation of Israel and say, send me a man, nobody came. Nobody came. Nobody thought it was worthwhile. Nobody believed God. That was until a young boy named David. Until David came to see his brothers. David heard what his brothers and King Saul and all the other soldiers of the nation of Israel as they cowered on their hill had heard for 40 days. 80 times they heard the words of the Philistine. 80 times they heard Goliath defy their God, defy the armies of God. David heard it once. David had a cause. David said to his brethren, when his brethren said, Hey, you just want to see the battle. Uh, You just want to you just want to be here. David said, Is there not a cause? What was the cause? His cause was for the faith. His cause, letter A, was for the faith. It wasn't about his reputation. It wasn't about his flesh, it wasn't about his desire, it was about the faith. God was being attacked, God's word was being decried by that giant against God. Not just against the armies of God, not just against King Saul, not just against the nation of Israel, but it was against God himself against Jehovah. David had a cause. David's cause was for the faith. We see that they had put their battle in array, but there was no battling. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11 says, Whereunto I am appointed a preacher, and an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I suffered these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. Christian, may we have a cause for the faith. Letter B, in your notes, David's cause was challenged. David's cause was challenged. We see that in verse 28, if you will, of chapter 17. It says, in a la- Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled. By the way, Eliab is the one that daddy thought should be the king. Why camest thou down hither, and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know that pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward Another, and spake after the same manner, and the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. And he a man of war from his youth. Can I tell you that it was challenged twice? All those men, 40 days, 40 nights, cowarding and hiding, refusing to do anything about the giant. Finally, there's a young man who says, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go down and fight the Goliath. I'll go down and be the one who faces him for God. And you would think that all the army of Israel, the king of Israel, King Saul, all the men would say, whoo we have a champion. We have somebody to go. But that's not what happened. Christian, understand that because you have a cause for God does not mean that everyone will rally around it. It does not mean you will always be encouraged and uplifted. David raised his hand and said, I'll go. I'll fight. His brother, his family, probably the brother he looked up to the most, the one that his feelings and his thoughts held the most weight to David. Probably the older brother that David as a young boy thought, man, I want to be like him. I want him to like me. I, I I I want I want to have his respect someday. Eliab questioned his cause. He said, "David, you don't matter. I mean, you came down here and you know you shirked your responsibility, and your responsibility is so small. It doesn't even matter. It's insignificant. Christian, be careful." So oftentimes when we step out by faith, we're going to talk about stepping out this morning, but so often when we step out by faith, people try to diminish and devalue our life. It was his brother. That was a wound that was painful, no doubt, to David. His brother who should have encouraged him, his brother who should have been on his side, his brother who should have said, David, I was there, I saw the prophet anoint you. I know that God poured out a spirit upon you. I'll follow you, David. But that's not what happened. David, though, recovered from that. And he went to King Saul and he said to the king, I'll go. Nobody else will go and fight, but I will. I believe in the cause. I believe in the cause of my God. And King Saul, you tell everybody, they can rest easy tonight because I'm going to be the one that's going to go and fight Goliath. King Saul didn't say, man, finally. I've been wanting somebody to come. I've been waiting for somebody to stand up and say, I'll go. That's not what King Saul said. He said to David, you can't go. You're a youth. You're a child. thats He's a man of war from the time he was a boy. There's no way you can go. Well, that wouldn't have been encouraging. That wouldn't have been uh, a great boost of confidence for David. Rather, his cause was challenged. His cause was questioned. But get this, Christian, this morning, by faith... David did not need his brother to lift him up. David did not need the king of Israel to agree with God's cause in his life. David, by faith, said, is there not a cause? David, by faith, said to King Saul, when King Saul wanted to put his armor and his sword and his shield on him, he said, King, I don't need that. I can't trust that. It hasn't been proven, but I can trust what God can do. Can I tell you that we see David's faith? David was on the top of the mountain, looking down into the valley where Goliath was, the same place his brothers had been, the same place the king of Israel had been for 40 days at least. We know the the giant went down 40 days and 40 nights. That we know. I have no idea how long they had been camped there before that began to be the the norm of the day. But at least for 40 days, they had all been at that same place David was. But David did something. David allowed the cause and his faith not to keep him on top of the mountain. But David went down into the valley. He went down to face Goliath, number three in your notes this morning. We see here David's conflict. David's conflict. It is inevitable. It is inevitable that we will face battles, some will be daunting and seem like giants. Yet our true character, our true character is shown when we face overwhelming circumstances. David didn't go down in the valley of Elah and, and play patty cake. Uh, he, he didn't go down there and, and sit down and have a cup of coffee and have a discussion with the giant. He, he didn't go down there and sing Kumbaya. I mean, David went down there and there, there was a battle. And I, I hate to tell you this, but there was blood. Had, had there been pictures of that day on Facebook, they would have covered it because of graphic, uh, graphic violence. Uh, they'd be disturbing images. I mean, you take a boy holding the head of a giant with blood pouring out of it, separated from the body. That's pretty graphic. I mean, if you watched it happen, you probably have some nightmares. I mean, there there was a battle. David had a conflict, a serious conflict. Letter A in your notes. I want you to see David's preparation for the battle. David's preparation for the battle. David was prepared by engaging in previous battles. Get that statement. David was prepared for the battle because David had been involved in previous battles. Battles. He had an encounter with a lion. He had an encounter with a bear. And it prepared him for his encounter with Goliath. I want you to look at uh, chapter 17 of 1 Samuel and look at verse 33 through verse 37 with me. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. Now I want you to notice David's response. Verse 34, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered him out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. And thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he had to fight the armies of the living God, David and David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. Christian, let me encourage you about something. The small battles, the small conflicts in your life, they may seem insignificant. They may seem really not to matter too much because they seem so much smaller than those bigger problems and those bigger issues. But Christian, can I tell you, those smaller conflicts, those smaller battles are building blocks to prepare prepare us to face Some bigger battles. David had never faced Goliath. David had never gone against a man of war. David had never faced a man who was nine feet tall and held a spear that looked like a telephone pole in our eyes. He'd never been there before. But he said, King Saul, I did face a lion, I did fight a bear. And he said, not I'm a great warrior, I'm a great fighter, Uh, I have great skill. He said, God delivered me. And the same God that delivered me in this area will deliver me in another area. Understand, David's preparation for the battle and for the great conflict is the same as your preparation and my preparation, but so often we miss it. So often we fail to realize the importance of those small struggles. God uses every battle, every battle in our lives, every struggle in our lives to prepare us for greater usefulness. By the way, God wants to, God wants to be glorified in your life. God wants to use you. And God uses every struggle in your life to prepare you, to make you more useful and usable. We, we learn our own weaknesses. I, I've got bad knees. Yesterday I was hobbling around pretty bad. Today I'm doing pretty good. But I know what my weaknesses are. I know that I don't have the strength in my knees because of surgery and because of arthritis that I used to have as a young man. So I I have to prepare and plan ahead for different things differently than I used to. I was talking with a young fellow this week, and we were talking about a, a mule deer and trying to get mule deer out of the bush. And I told him, I said, do you remember years ago? About 15 years ago, he was with me, and I had a pack frame on my back. I had a 55-gallon metal drum strapped to that pack frame. Inside of that metal drum, I had about 150 pounds of dog food and some other bags of uh, some meat. We were going out for bears. It was a couple hundred pounds. I strapped that on my back. And he carried some other stuff and walked with me. But I carried that pack frame with a 55-gallon metal drum full on my back for one mile. Now, I, took, I stopped and took a couple of breaks, but over 200 pounds on my back for a, couple, for almost, for a little over a mile. And I said to him, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> I, my knees won't let me do that. I don't have that ability. Why? I know I've got the weakness Can I tell you, David knew his weakness, and he didn't say, okay, I can't. He said, I can't, but God can. God oftentimes reveals your weakness in your spiritual life, your physical weakness sometimes, your emotional weakness sometimes. Not so we feel helpless. Not so we feel as though we are useless or we have no ability, but so we have to look to him and say, God, I need you. I know I don't have the ability. I know that I need you. David here had prepared. David was prepared with proven methods, by the way. Saul, as I mentioned, tried to give his armor to David. The Bible says in verse 38, And Saul armed David with his armor. And he put an helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And notice the phrase there in verse 39, and David put them off him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a scrip, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Can I tell you this book, the Bible, is full of proven methods for the Christian life. But sadly, oftentimes, we try to throw this book out and find a new way, a new plan, a new tool outside this book. And can I tell you, it will always fail. It will always fail. David here knew what was proven, what he could trust. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 27 says, But God had chosen the foolish things of the world, To confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world, to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Can I tell you, God's not concerned with your strength. Some of the most powerful people that I have ever met before the throne of God, were barely able to walk with bodies crippled with pain and arthritis. They had very little strength physically, but they had great power with God. God is not concerned with your power and your strength. David here understood it was all about God. Let her be in your notes, and I've got to hurry here. We see David's power, David's power in battle. Can I tell you that when Goliath went down from this side down into the valley of Ella, that he was the best the Philistines had to offer? He was the best. He was the most fierce warrior. He was the most successful warrior. He was a sure thing. There was no question. They didn't just say, hey, I want you to somebody go down there. No, it was Goliath of Gath. Because he was, the Bible calls him the champion. When he walked down in that valley and stood and called out God and God's armies, it was the best. He was the best soldier the world had created. He was the greatest champion. He was the most powerful And if you looked at the situation, it would have been laughable to see this giant of a man. And if you had watched on that hillside years ago, as a young boy would make his way down the hillside, not arrayed to battle, not wearing armor and sword and shield, but as he walked down with a staff, just a stick that's all as he made it all the way down I'm sure Goliath thought what in the world if we had been on top of that hill taking bets I don't believe in betting but uh, even I would have been tempted to place a bet on that fight we would have thought there's no way that David could win. No way. But Christian, can I tell you that we see David's power in battle, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. David's power in battle came from his trust of God. We tell the story in our children's Sunday school about how David took the sling and the stone went round and round and round and round and David launched this Launched this stone, and we talk about how the stone took down Goliath, but we missed the mechanics of that some. Brother Ahmad is teaching the teenagers this morning, but he's an engineer. He could probably help me with this a little better than I could, but if you work out the mathematics of the equation and the physics of the equation, I'd asked him to do the math for me, but his brain's already smoking from school. He can't do any more. But if you take a rock, and if it's propelled at such a force at someone's forehead, can I tell you what happens when that rock hits that forehead? The same thing that would happen if someone was standing before me, and I hit them on the chin. I almost knocked myself out. I'm not going to fall forward. That momentum is going to drop that person backwards. And yet the Bible says when David took the stone and slung it, that stone hit Goliath in the frontlet. And yet it tells us that Goliath fell on his face. It wasn't the power of David's sling. It wasn't the skill of the mighty David. It was the power of the mighty God. By the way, it was not the stone. It was not the stone that slew Goliath. The Bible tells us the rest of the story. We sanitize the story for our Sunday school kids. But that wasn't the end. David went and pulled out the giant sword that Goliath carried. And with Goliath's own sword, he hacked off the head. Of the giant. He took that head and that sword and went back on top of the mountain as the armies of Israel followed after and pursued the nation of the Philistines. But we see David's power, it was actually God's power. David trusted God. David's power in battle came from his trust in the Lord, his confidence that God would work on his behalf. When David was first anointed, when Samuel looked at him, he probably thought, well, I sure hope we don't get in any battles anytime soon if he's the king. He's such a little fellow. And yet Samuel missed the fact of God's power. First Samuel 17 verse 45 says, Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel whom thou hast defied this day will the Lord deliver into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air and of the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. David's power in battle, get this statement, was a result of David wanting to glorify God. It wasn't David wanting to ride on the shoulders of all the men of Israel as they sang, David has slain his thousands, or Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. He wasn't in it for the pat on the back or the praise of the award. David's power in battle came because he said, I want to honor God. I want to glorify God. I don't care what it costs. I have a cause to stand for God. We see David's power there. The Bible tells us here that he trusted, he believed God. His confidence in God's care, his confidence in God's strength was so intense that he was vigilant in a stand for God. I ask you this morning, if you and I had been at the top of that same ridge, looking down at the same thing that David saw, the same thing that King Saul viewed, the same thing the armies of Israel were watching for 40 days, I wonder, would we have stepped out in faith? Or would we have stayed with King Saul? Would we have stayed up on top of the ridge watching from a distance? David, by faith, by faith, entered the valley. By faith, he went forward, believing God, standing for God. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 says, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might or by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Let us see quickly, and we we'll close here, David's prevailing in battle. David's prevailing in battle. Verse 48 of chapter 17, it says, And it came to pass when the Philistine arose, and came and drew nigh to meet David. that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sunk in his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword, and drew it out of the sheath thereof, and slew him, and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Can I tell you, in the nation of Israel, Goliath rose up. He got in their way. Christian, can I tell you there will be giants in your life? I'm not here to tell you this morning that when you trust the Lord Jesus Christ, that everything is smooth and lovely and a bed of roses down here. Now, the hell vision, I mean, the hell evangelist will tell you that. But that's not true. There'll be battles down here. There'll be struggles down here. There will be giants that we will have to face down here. Just as Goliath rose up, there will be giants in your life. Just as David had a battle, you will face some battles. But can I tell you, God is able. God's able. Psalm 115 verse 1 says, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he pleased. I read this last verse to you before we close. Or I'll read a couple here. Matthew 19, verse 26, but Jesus beheld them. The words of Jesus: Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, this is impossible. But Christian, don't miss this statement. But with God, all things are possible. Don't miss that truth. David's journey for the faith showed his desire to serve God. Showed that he trusted God. Showed that he was willing to go forward for God. Just like David, we all will face giants in our walk. And many times we'll be tempted not to go forward, but to go backwards. To turn around. Christian, can I encourage you to step out in faith? We're going to talk about that a bit this morning, about Peter. But we need to find hope. And that hope is in Jesus Christ. Isaiah 11. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And shall make him of quick understanding and the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes. Neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. Let's pray together. Lord, we praise you, we thank you this morning for being our great God. Lord, we thank you that you are not looking for our power and our strength, but God, you're looking for our heart to follow after you. Lord, we saw David not as a king this morning, but as a young man who trusted and believed you. That same young man one day would wear the crown, one day would sit on the throne. Not because of what he did, but because of his heart for you. God, would you give us a heart after our God? Help us to love you. Help us to have a cause. Help us to be faithful. Help us to walk by faith. Help us to face the giants of our life, believing and knowing you're able. Lord, I pray you bless this morning. Lord, meet with us. Lord, we trust you. Lord, we ask you to work in our services today. Lord, be with our young people and our children's church. Be in our service here to come. Lord, all the events of this day, may they glorify you. In your precious name, we pray. Amen. Amen. You meet us.